Welcome to a new episode of Fish On, the podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Reed, and I know absolutely nothing about fishing. So, let's get started. For today's show, I thought I would cover the beginnings of Fish On and give our audience an understanding of what it was like to start a television show from scratch and how it all got started. Here's a clip from the original trailer to promote the new show on Eastlink TV. There's a brand new fishing show on Eastlink TV. Some of the best local fishermen took up the challenge on local lakes to see who could haul in the biggest walleye. That's a beautiful walleye, Mark. Each week, Timmins fisherman Paul Etier competes against different challengers. The competition was fierce, with prizes sponsored by Albert's Sports and Workwear. The anticipation just to know what they have in their live well is nerve-wracking. For anyone who fishes in this area, there's a lot to learn, as the pros will show you how they target and catch the biggest fish in the lake. You can learn new techniques. Anybody can come out here and do this with uh, even just regular fishing gear. All you need is uh, just shallow diving crankbaits and cover water and you'll, you'll catch fish out here. And they'll even show you some of their favorite spots on local waterways. I mean, you said it in the boat, it's like one of the best kept secrets around here. And I know for me, when I came out here a few weeks ago, I couldn't believe the amount of people that were along here. You gotta get this on film. This is what's called a double header. You don't want to miss Fish On on Eastlink TV this fall. Joining me now is Neil White, who is the Eastlink producer up in Timmins, who built the show from scratch. Neil, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Aaron. So, Neil, I want to give the listener a behind-the-scenes look at what it takes to create a fishing show. So let's start at the beginning, and how did it all get started? It came from Paul. He came to us with the idea. He knew someone else who worked at Eastlink. And so they were talking and had this idea to do a fishing show. So he came to us and pitched the idea of doing a fishing show with us. And we talked with him about it. And at first we were thinking of a fairly traditional fishing show where he would teach people how to fish. We'd just go in a boat with him. Um, So we just started bouncing ideas off each other. And of course, because he's a competitive fisherman, we wanted to bring in that competitive fishing angle to it. So that's where we decided that we should do a competitive fishing show and have them actually fish against another team. So we decided on the team's idea and we just kind of built on it from there. We went and shot a pilot uh, in the year before the first season was shot and we had a great time. It turned out really well and we got some great footage. So we figured this could work. It really makes it a a different type of show when it's a competitive show rather than just sitting in a boat and, and watching two guys fish, right? Yeah, we thought it makes it way more exciting if there's that sort of reality TV aspect of having a competition and a prize at the end of the day. All right, Fish On fans, we are back here on Minnesinaqua Lake in Gogama, and the best part about today is we get to use the facilities at Gogama Lodge. So we're going to launch our boats here. We got our camera crew coming into the dock. We're out for a good day on the water. A little bit tough fishing this time of year because it's the dead of the summer and myself on this lake I have a hard time catching the bigger fish but we're going to go out there give it our best shot it's going to be 30 degrees today but we're going to have fun. We wanted to teach people about fishing and we wanted people to learn some of the techniques and ideas and tools they could use to fish better but we just figured people would want to watch it more if there was something happening in the show besides just Paul telling you how to fish. And working in community television, you're always dealing with volunteers and working with people who have never been on camera before. So what was it like working with Paul and getting him in front of the camera? Paul was great. Uh, he had the enthusiasm, which was the main thing. And he he had the drive to get the show done. So you could tell right from 
the moment we met him that he was going to work on this show and really put everything he could into it. And I think that bared out over the course of the rest of the time that he's done it and you see it to this day. So he put a lot into it um, and, and he brought a lot of enthusiasm and excitement about fishing. So he was great. So what I want to do is I want to take the listener through a, a day of what it was like to to film an episode of Fish On from, you know, waking up early to driving to the lake, dealing with the bugs. <laughs> take us take us through what uh, what it would be like. Yeah, it would start even a few days before you'd start planning it out. I mean, obviously, Paul would book them sometimes months in advance. So we knew what days we were going. You started planning what gear you needed, load the vehicle up the day before, because as you mentioned, we usually started at about 6 a.m. And I think that was just Paul messing with me because he knew I didn't like waking up early. So it always started at 6 a.m. Uh, so we usually meet up somewhere in Timmins, drive to the lake, wherever it was, and then uh, get in the water as quick as possible. So usually at the start of the day, they just put the boat in, we hopped in, and off we went. The two teams would... Uh, go do their separate thing. It was like a fishing competition. They didn't really talk to each other a lot other than maybe try to throw each other off the scent. And then off they go and we fish uh, usually for about six hours, um, sometimes a little more, sometimes a little less, depending on the day. And by mid-afternoon, um, they'd start to think about wrapping up. So usually there would be the phone call, the check-in phone call. Um, so during the check-in phone call, we'd film it. Um, for the TV, but we'd also get a sense of how the other boat was doing. So, like I said, about six hours mid-afternoon, we'd call it a day, uh, head back to the docks, and then we'd film all of the bits you saw on TV, the interviews, the opening, and the trophy presentation. That's a long time to be out in the water, and you've got two boats, two different cameras, but you're only filming a 30-minute episode. So how long does it take for the editing process? Because you've got we basically, when we did it, we had a 32 gig card in each camera. So you're talking like 60 gigs of footage here for a 30 minute episode. That, that's got to take a lot of time in editing. Yeah, that's about right. Um, so like I said, we were on the water usually for about six hours, sometimes a little bit more. And I found that if you filled up one of those cards, which is just over an hour's worth of footage um, per boat, that was about enough footage to put together a 30 minute episode so we'd have about two hours of footage a little bit more usually um, between the two boats and then it would usually take about a week to kind of of straight editing just to pare it down to 30 minutes worth of content and put the whole package show together and that's a big part of it because when you're filming fish on a lot of the footage is never used because you spend a lot of time just filming and you're waiting to capture that moment when they get the bite but if they don't get a bite, then the footage is never used and you move on to the next spot. Yeah, a lot of times they'd pull up to a new fishing spot and I would shoot all the shots of the spot. I'd get the water around it, the trees, the little whatever was there, get all this footage of them fishing there. And then they wouldn't catch anything there and they'd drive away. And all of that footage would never get used because nothing happened at that particular spot. <laughs> but you had to do it at every spot just in case. And from the beginning, you guys filmed six episodes per year? Yeah, we did six episodes a year. The original plan was for eight. And then the last two episodes of the first season, I got sick. And we, didn't, we weren't able to get out on the lake that weekend. And it was 
basically the last weekend of the season. So we ended up with six the first episode, the first season and pretty much decided that that was actually a really good number to do. So we ended up going with six per season. And, and so what kind of problems did you guys run into? Um, usually weather was the problem. We had terrible luck with uh, just cold fronts always coming in and scaring off the fish. Um, that's all real in the show when you see it is, uh, you know, sometimes it was rainy or cold and you just couldn't catch the, the big fish that we really wanted. Um, occasionally we had some technical glitches with cameras. I forgot the batteries a number of times. Um, but for the most part, uh, the biggest issues we had were weather and there was nothing that we couldn't overcome. And the guys were great about fishing and just about anything and, and finding fish even on days where you really didn't think they'd be able to. And, and that's what I was going to say. Even with the bad weather, you guys, you didn't, you never canceled. You never rescheduled. You just went out and said, this is what it is. And uh, we're going to film an episode today. Yeah. We always knew that if it really, really rained, we were going to have to cancel just because of the cameras and the electronics we were using. But we never got that sort of heavy downpour. It was at best um, sort of lightness. So we just put garbage bags on the cameras and keep fishing. Which is pretty amazing because, I mean, uh, you know, weather can change in an instant. And when you're out there for that long, um, it's pretty lucky to have uh, such good weather. I mean, I kind of wish we got a few more sunny days, but uh, yeah, I'm glad it never poured on us. <laughs> now, let's talk about the, the the narrative of the show. Now, you have a background of, of journalism, so you, you always like to, to bring out the story. So um, when they're unsuccessful in fishing how does that change the narrative for you i think it's almost just as interesting especially because you had the competition so when they're unsuccessful and they're having a bad day it just adds to that tension of how are they going to win this how are they going to find is that you know on those days one big fish could be the one that changes the competition and gives you a different winner so that adds its own sort of tension and competition they're going to give us a challenge today i think fish Good job. Nice. That's a nice one for here. More, 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 more. Yes, it's a good one. For this one, for this lake, it's a good one. Of course, it's fun to watch them just pulling in the big fish, and those were great episodes. But when it was rainy and they couldn't find a fish, uh, that allowed you to just add to that tension of who's going to be able to win this thing. Actually, you're right. You know, when you're filming a fishing show and they're all catching fish, well, that's great and you've got a good show, but if they're not catching anything and and at the end they get a big fish, I mean, that, that's a big deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so you did you did two seasons of Fish On? Uh, yeah, I was there for two seasons, the first two seasons. Two seasons. So, so you've got a good uh, handle on uh, Paul's strategies. What, what, what did he do? What, what kind of worked for him? What did, what did you see him uh, try more than anything else? Good question. You know, it's funny because I think Paul being the person who was at every single episode, whereas the other fishermen uh, or anglers switched around, Paul was the one who was there the most. So I think he had the most uh, different strategies and he would see what the other anglers did and then try to change up. So some episodes he would go in and be set on, we're going to go to one spot and we're just going to work it and work it until we get that fish we know that's there. Another episode, he might come in and say, I'm going to hit up every spot and try a million different things. And I think it was 
that he saw what the other anglers did on different episodes and sort of adapted his strategy to try and uh, not counteract what they were doing, but use the best of what they were doing. So his strategy would be to try different strategies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, probably mostly because he was there so much and he did it so many times that he had to be a little more creative and switch around a little bit more as opposed to some of the fishermen uh, who were there for just the one episode and could really focus on their lake that they knew well. And, you know, what always cracks me up about Paul is you get in his boat and he'll drive for like 10, 15, 20 minutes to get to his spot. And and every time I, I, I look at him and I go, Paul, do you know how many fish you passed just trying to get to this spot? <laughs> Like he knows his spots though. He does, and and he's 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 crazy about it, right? Um, and and it's funny for me too because you're in the boat, and and the guys are saying, oh yeah, you know, we we did pre-fishing, and we were here yesterday, and we caught a huge fish, and then, but today for the show, I'm here, I got the camera, nothing. Yeah, sometimes I wish they didn't do as much pre-fishing because it always seemed like they had great stories about the pre-fishing, but it never happened on the filming day. That's true. I felt like that too. Um. And, and so Fish On was not just in the Timmins area. I mean, we, we did shows all over the north. We went to uh, Lake Nipissing. We went as high as Geraldton. Yeah, we did uh, Hearst. We went to uh, Ramsey Lake in Sudbury. That was a fun episode, uh, being right in the heart of Sudbury. It was fun to move around and see all the different lakes. That was probably one of the highlights for me, was getting to see so many different lakes in northern Ontario. And and these different lakes, they, they also have the different fish because uh, you guys had different episodes too, right? Of the different types of fish. Yeah, the bass episodes were a lot of fun because they the way they attack the lure and come up right to the surface, uh, it, it makes for good TV. You get to see the fish before they're even on the uh, line. They're up jumping at the surface of the water. Yeah, that was great to catch the jump and the splash and them reeling them in because they're they're a bit of a bigger fish too, right? Yeah, they uh, definitely put up a fight. Well, we, I wanted to get your thoughts um, when you start a new show. I mean, I know when when I was told that we were going to do fish on, I, I was a little nervous about it because, you know, you you get the overview of of sitting six hours in a boat with two guys fishing. Well, as a cameraman, you're thinking. There's not a lot for me to do here. <laughs> There's only so many shots that I can get, right? And what I found is, you know, in, in shooting it, is you get the guys to tell their stories, right? You tell their fishing stories. And all these fishermen, it doesn't matter who I was with, they all had a great story. So give me one of your favorite fish on stories. Favorite fish on stories. The best fish on story was actually one that never went to air from the pilot. So this was the episode we shot before we really had the concept of the show. And we were just trying to figure out how we were going to do it. So we went out and we shot a bunch of footage. And it wasn't really um, ever intended to go to air because we were just practicing and figuring out if this show was even going to work. So we get out on the boats. And one of the first things I said to Paul was, man, you know what would be a great shot is if you catch a big fish, but it gets away. Because that would just be, you know, devastating, but it would make for really dramatic television. And Paul's like, don't say that. So sure enough, his first cast, I mean, his very first cast ever, he got what he sure was a huge fish on the line, and it snapped, and the fish got away. Fish on. Good fish. 
I can't lose this guy. OMG, that's the fish we needed. Get in front of it here. Yeah, right here. Oh. oh, right there. Did you get that? He was right there. I had some good pressure on him too. I had too much pressure. Oh, he was a good one. Fudge, in this lake to catch a fish like that doesn't come very often. At all. Man, oh man, oh man, oh man. He was right on top of that rock. And he's sure that was the biggest fish we saw all day in the pilot. And uh, he, he blames me for that one. That's maybe my fault. <laughs> well, that's a great story. The one that got away. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Uh, I think that's great. I think that covers everything. Uh, anything else you want to add? It was fun. We had a great time and Paul did a great job. And it's amazing to see you know, what started as an idea with him walking into our office and saying, hey, I like to fish. Can we do a fishing show? And it turned into all of these episodes that have been done going all over Northern Ontario. There's merch, there's a podcast now. It's, it's fun to see how gr great uh, Paul has done with this show. And now a word from our sponsors. Albert Sports and Workwear has been a family-owned business for over 60 years. Our team excels in customer service and will help you during the COVID-19 pandemic. Our store is closed, but we are still available online or by phone with reduced hours for free delivery and curbside pickup. Send us a message through Facebook and we will happily send you photos or arrange a video chat with one of our staff to get you what you need. Your outdoor store at 822 Riverside Drive in Timmins. A proud sponsor of Fish On. With three weeks to go until the walleye season opens, the Premier provided some good news for the fishermen of Northern Ontario. Fishing will still be open as long as they focus on the social distancing rules and get out there and get a little fresh air. We don't see an issue with that. He later clarified his comments at a news conference. I said everything is conditional on uh, the, the health and well-being of Ontario, conditional on getting the Chief Medical Officer of Health uh, what I was saying is, can we start uh, opening up a, a trickle of the economy? I got to be very, very clear. Uh, there's never going to be one date that we just open up the economy. We're going to open it up with a trickle and uh, just let it flow from, from there and, and constantly measure. But by no means are, are we going to have, uh, for instance, the, the May 24th weekend, we're just going to open things up. That is absolutely uh, not going to happen. Joining me now on the line is Paul Ecce. Paul? What do you think of the Premier's comments to maybe have things open up by the May run weekend? Do you think that's realistic? Well, Aaron, I think Doug Ford uh, brought up a couple of issues there that I agree with as well. So he did bring up uh, May 2-4, you heard. But realistically, Victoria Day weekend, the big weekend in Northern Ontario that everybody heads out to the outdoors, be it fishing, be it camping, this is a big weekend in Northern Ontario. Now, that date is the third Saturday in May. That would be Friday, May 15th, that that traffic on our local northern highways would be uh, enormous. I mean, there are vehicles heading out mostly on uh, Crown land camping access, and that's where we know right now the public health guidelines have said no camping on uh, Crown land. So 
That being said, I'm not sure. I do like Doug Ford's statement that says the data will speak for itself. And I think we have to look at the data. We have to rely our opinions on public health. And you heard him say that. So uh, I'm not sure if that date will be attainable. Now, that being said, I think fishing opener is the other part of his uh, comment there. So I think we can still open the fishing season, maintaining significant social distancing guidelines. Uh, so we talked about that on the last episode where fishing is one of those. We can maintain our social distancing. So I think there's two parts to this statement here that you just played for us is when is uh, kind of the economy going to open up? Are we going to be able to open up and go camping on May run weekend? And I think we hear Doug Ford referring to May 24th. Well, that is uh, in Northern Ontario that we call it the May 2-4. And you can uh, assume what you want out of that kind of terminology. Uh, but it is a lot of camping and it is a lot of outdoors happening and specifically in Northern Ontario. I think, though, if, if Doug Ford gives a go ahead and to open things up slowly, I don't think people are going to do that. I think, you know, they're, what they're going to hear is, OK, we can go fishing. <laughs> And everyone's going to hit the road, right? Yeah, I got to say that uh, Victoria Day weekend would not be a slow opener. I agree with you there. Uh, that would not be slow. Uh, that would increase traffic in our outdoor stores, in our bait shops, in our uh, recreational facilities. You know, so so that that definitely would not be a slow go there. Let's just um, transition here to the uh, beginning of the show. I, I talked to Neil White about starting fish on and what it was like from a uh, his perspective. So I wanted to get your perspective. But what were your thoughts? Like, how did it? Uh, how did it start? Well, Fish On has a great history that that I love being part of. So Fish On was actually started uh, in concept with a good friend of mine, Roly Magnet. Roly is a, a cottage owner right beside me, and we do spend a lot of time together in the summer months. And Roly is a director with Eastlink uh, Corporation. Uh, and Roly actually, you know, sitting around the fire one night said, uh, Paul, he says, what do you think about community TV? And would you be interested in doing a fishing show for Eastlink community TV? And I said, Roly, I said, listen, we are moving ahead with fishing. It's a passion of mine. It's tournament trails. It's boat sponsorships. I said, this would not fit any better with promoting fishing in our area and our sponsors than doing a show of community TV. So Roly hooked me up with Neil White, obviously was a producer at the time. And uh, Neil and I did a bunch of um, writing scripts down and taking a look at what would work and what wouldn't. And a big portion of what I wanted to do <laughs> was the format that we have today. And, and that is essentially the competition style. I didn't want to have a fishing show that just had me talking about fishing. I think, you know, we have an opportunity here. We can involve other passionate anglers and community members and I said let's let's make it a format that it's a competition style show so just like that fish on challenges changes these two fish are going to put us winning this challenge today there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that we're going to win this challenge with this fish we got one more good kicker in there but these are two overs i'd say about a 19 and 18 and a half oh, maybe yeah. a 19 and a 20. this is about two and a half pounds and three pounds and then you know what we have this is kicking it Good job, partner. Good job. Fish on. 
And that's one of the things that Neil and I talked about is the show is not just a fishing show. It's a competition, which really brings a different element to it. Creates that interaction, right? It, it's a show that where you're competing on an angler, there is something at the end to get there. And for us as tournament anglers, that's what we like to have. Uh, so there is a little prize at the end of the show. We've got that sponsored by Albert Sports and Workwear. And it just gives it that extra drive where the anglers are excited about filming a show. Well, and that's what they do in uh, tournament fishing, right? And, and as you always say, it's the inches count. <laughs> <laughs> Everything counts in tournament fishing. You can't jinx a limit and you got to have every fish counts. So let's, uh, let's talk about um, what anglers would be doing to uh, prepare for the new season. Aaron, this is something that I love talking about. So we're switching gears a little bit here where we're talking about something that we can't do. And now we're talking about something that we can do. Exactly. So as the season, uh, walleye winter fishing season closes for us, this is the time to start preparing your gear and switching over for summer open water fishing. So very, very important uh, for me to go through my gear and make sure that it's ready when I need it. So I'll start with my rods, my fishing rods and my reels. So when I talk about my fishing reels, I'll re-spool all of my line if it needs it. I will uh, take the bale off if it's a, an open face reel, a spinning reel, what we call. I will oil everything, make sure everything's in order. And then that way there, when I want to use it, I know that that rod is ready to go. So fishing rods is just as important. A fishing rod, although it doesn't have the moving components in it, you want to check all of the rod guides. Sometimes, you know, with, with misuse, you know, throwing it in the boat, there's going to be chips on the end of the ceramic guides. And that can easily break your line when you're trying to hook set a fish or if it's the big one that you're looking for. Just a little nick in the ceramic guides and you hook set and it, grabs your line and away you go you've lost that fish so very important for you to maintain your equipment check all of that stuff so that when you're hooking on to that big fish that you're not going to lose it all right and one of the other things too that people may not think about is the electronics right because not only is there software updates there's firmware updates too and there you don't always get notified that uh, those are available yeah, electronics play a big key because all these manufacturers, they, they update uh, their, their equipment over the winter months. It's a time where their engineers are looking at new things and new uh, stuff coming out. So it's very important to research your manufacturer of your electronics, download the newest updates. And there are several components to electronics depending on how complex your system is. So there could be structure scan. What we use, I'm a Lowrance uh, operator. I use Lowrance Electronics. And there's structure scan modules. There's the new live site that has to have an update. Uh, your map chips could have updates. So it's very important this time of year refer to your manufacturer's website, download everything you can for the modules that you have. We typically put them on an SD card, install them in the units, power everything up, do your updates, and now you have the most updated product to help you catch more fish. There's a lot of things there to, uh, to get yourself ready. Now, what about the boat? Because the boat's obviously been sitting in storage over winter, right? So I, I would imagine it's very similar to a car. Like, what, uh, what kind of things would, the, would you have to check? Yeah, so the boat and, and the boat is your flotation device, right? That's what you're going to be floating on. So it's very, very important to really thoroughly go through your boat at the start of the season. Uh, one of the common things that I like to check and just to make sure is, is the transom engine bolt. So these are the bolts that mounts your engine to the, to the boat. 
And that is very important. Just there are torque specifications there. So you do have to do a little bit of research. You want to go make sure from the manufacturer on the transom what torque specs to tighten those bolts and double check them. 99% of the time they're going to be fine, but it'll give you that comfort that when you're going, depending on the size of your engine, that it's not just going to rip off and damage your boat. So very important to check the engine mounting bolts on the transom. All right. And what else? So the other biggest thing, Aaron, is is obviously over the winter months, if you've cracked any lines in your system. So in the boat, there are what we call bilge pumps. And bilge pumps over the winter, if they didn't uh, get winterized well, the water, if it stayed in there, they could crack. So basically, if you're in the water and your boat's taken on water, or if it's a major rainstorm and your bilge pump malfunctions, that's a big no-no. That's a safety feature in a boat and you need to really check your build pumps, bilge pumps. So what I do is there are access covers on the transom of a boat where you can open up and most of your bilge pumps are there. I would encourage the angler that has a boat to familiarize themselves with where the locations of their bilge pumps is. Are Typically there are two bilge pumps. There's one that you can turn on manually and there's an automatic one that basically bypasses any switch. So if your boat is parked in the water for a weekend that you're not around and it rains significantly there's an automatic pump that will come in to pump out your boat. So there's most of the boats have two bilge pumps and you want to make sure that they both both function. So the manual one will function and you can easily test that. Make sure you hear it. Make sure, you know, if your boat is not in the water, check everything that's visible to you, the casing of the pump, the hoses that are visible to make sure that there is no issue there. And what about the live well? Because there's pumps and hoses there as well too, right? And again, that's a different system. So that's basically uh, a live well system pumps water from the lake into your boat, whereas the bilge pump pumps the water out of your boat into the lake. So similar system, familiarize yourself to where your live well pumps are and check everything you can. Make sure the operation of the switch that you hear it running, that'll eliminate a lot of problems. So uh, what else do you check? So typical other things that we check, you know, just commonly is uh, the prop your engine prop that you want to make sure that is torqued to specification as well. The prop, I would also encourage that you do take it off. This would be a good time to check if there's any fishing line that got uh, wrapped up in the prop that broke off throughout the previous season that you didn't get time to check. So you basically remove the prop. It's a common area for fishing line to get caught, the boat prop, the motor prop. Take it off, check for old fishing line that's there, remove that fishing line, grease the prop a little bit, and retorque the specification. That's going to save you a ton of time on the water. All right, and what next? Um, other areas that we check is the trailer. Trailer is very, very important. You know, we, we boat our, tra- our boats around, we trailer our boats around Uh, throughout northern Ontario so on the trailer it's very important to check the bunks so it's a little bit difficult to check that while your boat is on it so that is one area that you can check the trailer bunks when your boat's in the water and you're coming off to park your trailer is check those bunks make sure that the carpet is still in good condition Uh, below underneath the carpet is basically wood, a two by four. So that's an area that, you know, you can check if there's any tears in the carpet, any exposed bolts that are holding that two by four or two by six on the trailer so that you can make sure that you're not scratching the hull of your boat. 
Another very, very important is the bearings on the trailer tires, the, the wheels of the trailer. Uh, that's one time now, start of the season, make sure that your wheel bearings are greased, are in good conditions, that your leaf springs are uh, all the bolts, U-bolts attaching the leaf springs to the trailer. Make sure all of that is in good condition. And, and like a car that's been in storage, the internal batteries have a chance to go flat, right? In the boat, uh, the batteries inside your boat, hopefully anglers have removed them. There are different um, opinions out there if you should remove your batteries. for. And I think weather plays an effect. In northern Ontario, where it's a deep freeze, if you're storing your boat outside, I remove my batteries for winter storage. And before I put them in uh, for the start of the season, I actually put them on a smart charger I make sure that they get a full charge from the smart charger because it is known that the onboard charger in boats will only charge to about an 80, 90% capacity. So if you use a smart charger on your batteries in your boat to start off the season, you're going to recondition them really good and you'll get them up to par for the season. All right. So what about the boat trailer? That's also important to maintain. Yeah, so we talked a little bit about the boat trailer. We went into bearings, we went into the bunks, and we did that. The other very important part is your winch strap. A winch strap is used a significant amount of times when you're putting the boat back on the trailer after an outing. So, you know, you should uh, take that winch strap, pull it all out, make sure that the strap is not frayed, that it is in good condition, that it's there for when you need it. So a lot of times we power our boats onto the trailer, but in sometimes the conditions don't allow that. So we have to hook on that strap and actually winch it. So you want to check the strap, you want to check the winching mechanism, all those teeth to make sure those little uh, switches operate correctly to put you in the winching mode. And the other important factor to check is the bow hook on the boat. So if you're going to winch your boat onto the trailer, you're putting a significant amount of pressure on that bow hook, which is the hook that you hook on that, that winch strap onto. So that area, you want to make sure that it's good, it's tight. It's very hard to access from inside of the boat, but you can do it. You can find a way to get there to make sure those nuts are really tight on that bow hook because that is under a lot of pressure if you're winching your boat up on the trailer. All right, Paul, so we've gone through all the stuff that you need to do on shore. What do you do when you're backing the boat into the water for your first time on the season? So that, Aaron, that's always the exciting part and always the part that sometimes we forget things. The most common thing that anglers forget is the boat plug. We always take our boat plug to drain the hull of water if there's any in it. And if you launch your boat and you didn't put that boat plug, you're going to find out very quickly that you forgot about it. So very important. You know, I always do a methodical check. When I've backed up my boat at the ramp, I'll always go through methodically to check what I need. So basically, I always start at the front. So the first thing we'll do is unlatch that winch strap because your boat won't go in if you didn't have that winch strap unlatched. Then I walk around to the back, the boat straps that tie the boat to the trailer, you want to make sure those are released. And let me tell you a little story that that happened to me once. I was in a tournament. It was the Angler Young Angler Tournament. And these guys are organized. They back your truck in for you. So I load in the boat. I do my check. Everything's good. Load the kids in the boat. They back me up in the water. And the boat's not going anywhere. And it's actually, what what's going on? I didn't remove the straps at the back. Too excited too anxious to get on the water. The guy had to pull me back out. We had to release those straps and then away we go. So check the plug, check the straps, check that your boat is free from the trailer so that when you do back into the trailer, into the water, that your boat will freely float. Now, the other important part, Aaron, is that once you're floating on the water 
And I mean, I know everybody gets anxious to get to their fishing spot, but there are things for the first time of the season is where you can confirm all of the winterization of the boats. So mostly over the winter, you might get a couple of hoses that crack. So if you weren't able to visually inspect it on shore before you did this launching, now's the time that the problem is going to occur. So you don't want to leave and be away from the boat launch and then find out that, oh, there's a hose that cracked, my boat's taking on water, I have to bilge it out now. So do it right then and there. The minute you get on, you're close to the boat launch. This is where you're going to check to make sure your boat's not taking in any water. So if there's any hoses that have cracked over the winter that you didn't see, your boat will be taken on water. If you have to bilge it out, there's something wrong. So get it back on the trailer, get it inspected. Um, this is where you can physically test your live well pumps. So run them, get some water into your live well. So that way there you'll make sure that no hose cracked. If the water is fully going into your live well and you're not accumulating any in the hull of the boat, it's perfect you've wintered well. Also in the live well, there's a drain plug. So not only do you pump water into the live well, you actually got to drain that live well. That is another hose that goes out to the hull that gets ejected into the water. So fill up your live wells, wait a little bit, make sure there's no water accumulating in the bottom of your boat, then drain your live well. And again, the same thing, make sure you're not accumulating any water, test your bilge pumps, test all of your gauges. One area that we commonly get stuck on is the um, the speed um, speedometer on the boat that is actually just a little piece of tube that goes from the back of the engine right at the engine where it sits in the water and it's a tube that goes into the back of the boat to the speedometer in the in the helm so that's one area that sometimes you get a little bit of wood in there and you won't get the speedometer that's something that's not important you're not taking on water but you can test that make sure that that tube wintered well that you are getting the speed on the gauge and it'll eliminate a lot of problems down the road all right so now we have the boat ready the trailers ready what do we have to go through to check our safety equipment? So again, it's the safety equipment is highly important. That is one area that if I'm stopped on the water by the Ministry of Natural Resources, I don't want to be caught without functioning equipment that's required by law. So a lot of the stuff of the safety equipment that we need um, is obviously your personal flotation devices. Every approved PFD will have a product label with information about the intended use of the device, the size of the person it will fit, any special care instructions, and how to properly wear the PFD. You need a life jacket on board for every member that's in your boat. Now, an interesting fact here is that new technology have had those, those PFDs that we call their personal flotation devices, and they're the ones that are either automatically inflatable or manually inflatable. They're very nice, they're, they're sleek, they're comfortable, they're not bulky, but the fact of the matter is, is that those personal flotation device have to be worn. So if you don't have a regular normal life jacket that we're used to in the boat and you only have those personal flotation devices, they have to be on your person if that's all you have in the boat. So a lot of anglers now what they do is they actually put a regular size flotation device in the boat and a secondary device is their little one. So that that's the one they have for tournaments, you know, you riding around, you have it on. If you by chance take it off and you are stopped by the MNR, you better have a regular flotation device in the boat for that. Yeah, I really like those uh, personal flotation devices. I know those are the type that we wore when we were uh, doing the show. They're very comfortable. Yeah, and that's one area for your safety. You can have it on all day. 
right? Yeah. So if you do happen to have an accident, you have it on, it's there. You don't have to go searching for it in the boat. It's there. You pull a string or they automatically inflate. It's very convenient to have. Yeah, I agree. All right. What else? Safety equipment in a boat, we need a line. Uh, guidelines say that it's 15 meters in length and it has to be buoyant. Um, so that's one area you have to have in your boat. Now, another misconception is, is anglers always have a paddle and an anchor. Realistically, you only need one or the other. And I confirm that with a conservation officer that I fished with last fall. And the reasoning behind that is either you have a paddle to paddle yourself out of harm's way or you have an anchor where you can anchor yourself out of harm's way. So it's not, you don't need both. Yes, if you have both and you're comfortable putting both in your boat, that's a good good thing to have. But according to regulations, you only need one or the other. And again, maybe on smaller vessels that don't have an automatic bilge pump or a bilge pump, you need that baler. In case you have a rogue wave that comes into your boat that's you know causing some issues, you can easily have that bucket to bail the water out of your boat. A lot of the smaller boats that don't have the onboard battery or something like that, you can buy some of those that have batteries in them that you have your safety light for at night. Uh, you know, the, the guidelines kind of tell us that it's between sunset and sunrise or during periods where there's reduced visibility. So if it's windy and rainy and foggy, you need to have those navigation lights if you're on the water. It's time to introduce the next important piece of safety equipment on your boat, the fire extinguisher. So fire extinguishers uh, are required depending on the size of the vessel. So if it's a vessel equipped with uh, an inboard motor or fixed fuel tanks, uh, they, you know, obviously, and, and if they have cooking and heating and stuff like that, they need a fire extinguisher. Most of the boats I run, uh, the engine is big enough and they are equipped with fixed fuel tanks. So we do require fire extinguishers. It's also important that you have a flashlight on board, as you never know when a navigation light might burn out. Flashlights, that's another one you don't think of. And not only do you need the flashlights, you got to make sure that the batteries for that flashlight works. So they say that it's a waterproof flashlight, and, and that's one area that I have had a little bit of relief on. I've been given a break. So I did have a flashlight. It was in my boater's kit. My batteries weren't even installed in it. So that's, you know, that's one area you have to have the flashlight. The batteries have to be in it and they have to be functioning. So if you are stopped by a conservation officer on the lake, one area, really have your flashlight and have the batteries in it that you can prove that it works. And what about the flares? Because there's different types, right? Yeah, there are different types of flares. Uh, so if you don't have a flashlight, you can have the Canadian approved flares. Uh, you know, they list types A, B, uh, A, B or C flares. I don't have any of them. I can't comment on that. I don't have the flares. I always have the flashlight and, and I actually have two or three flashlights. There's one in the boater safety kit that I make sure I have on my boat. And I always keep one in my glove box that I have a flashlight there. I mean, more commonly now we have the iPhones or the telephone devices. You do have a flashlight on that, but it's not waterproof, right? So make sure that we follow the guidelines. We want to make sure that we have, uh, there's nothing more that I would, I, I don't want to get a ticket for something as simple as this. You know, I don't want to be charged for an offense that this is easily preventable. We have time to check it every year. Make sure you have the safety equipment on board. And of course, you need a vessel license too, right? So again, the vessel licenses came in, uh, I guess it's a little while now, uh, for any uh, motor over 10 horsepower. 
So basically, if you're on a boat that has a 10 horsepower motor or bigger, you need that vessel license. Uh, they, most of them are all online courses now. Um, and, and, you know, they're easy to take. You can go through it. A lot of stuff I find from the vessel license course is not really applicable in Northern Ontario. There are not many lakes that we have that have the marker buoys, red and white, uh, red and green. And, you know, so they're not really applicable. But in the event, I do take my boat on, on you know, a little bit more south. So I do go to North Bay. Well, North Bay have marker buoys and Lake Tomogamy has marker buoys. So by having the vessel license, I am very aware of how to navigate the boat through the marker buoys. Wow, that's so interesting. All right. Um, anything else on that? I think safety equipment, those are the areas that we touched on that we need uh, are absolutely required to have in your boat. Uh, depending on, on the, the boat, you know, kayaks are different. If there's no motors on it, it's, it's different requirements. But, you know, again, that's something that the websites that we have for uh, the safety equipment, you can easily do a Google search. Go make sure that you have the right equipment for your vessel. All right. Well, I just thought I'd end the show today with uh, a new segment, which I'm calling Fishing Quote of the Week. Here's the quote. Many men go fishing all of their lives without knowing that it is not the fish they are after. <laughs> and and I thought that summed up uh, what we were talking about last week. Exactly. You know what? It's it's more than fish. Yeah. And and even for me as a as a non-fisherman, I loved going out with you guys. You know, I didn't know what you were doing. It didn't matter to me. I loved the companionship of talking to you guys. All of you guys had stories to tell. All of you guys had a sense of humor. And I remember we were out with Scotty Martin once and it was a really bad day on the lake and we weren't catching anything. We've got a moose crossing and we've got a beautiful butterfly. <laughs> and we've got one tiny fish. Like our buddy Tom Cruise said and a few good men, Perry, we're gonna lose. We're gonna lose huge. <laughs> <laughs> and I would, you know, jostle him a little bit. Come on, Scotty, like you are you're our big name up here. You better catch something, right? And there is um, we're in the boat and this butterfly comes down and I start filming it. And I said to Scotty, you know, this is gonna be an episode about butterflies if you don't catch something. <laughs> and man, we, we never had so many laughs. It was such a great time, I loved it. And you know, Aaron, hearing those stories is just amazing. And, and you said it, we, yeah, there's a lot of stories to tell. But what I can also tell you is that filming fish on is also creating a lot of stories for us to tell. So as an Eastlink subscriber all across Canada, you can sit down and watch a Fish On episode. Fish On episodes are on Eastlink TV. They they play every Sunday at 12.30 is the kind of premiere date. Uh, there are all repeats running now. Our, our season has fully ran, so there are repeats. And it's nice because it's also available on On Demand on Eastlink Television. So if you're interested in... in going to see all of the episodes you can easily go on your on-demand screen and search for community tv northern ontario i believe it's under sports or maybe its own heading and you know you have all of our episodes on demand all right well i think that's uh, a wrap for our episode number two hopefully um people will be able to do these tips and suggestions over the next three weeks as they get ready for the may run weekend fishing will still be open as long as they Focus on the social distancing rules and get out there and get a little fresh air. Anytime you can prevent stuff from happening on the water, gives you a lot more time to keep your line in and catch the fish. All right. And with that, we say fish on. See you next week.